0: Good morning! Speak, friend, and enter the Bag End Book Club. We are here to talk about the first four chapters of The Fellowship of the Ring by J.R.R. Tolkien. I'm Nora. I'm joined by M.
1: Hi, I'm M. I'm joined by
0: Autumn. Hi! And I'm joined by Jackson.
2: Happy birthday, Bilbo and Frodo Baggins! Happy birthday,
0: Bilbo and Frodo Baggins!
1: Happy birthday, (laughs) Shikamaru.
2: Happy birthday, (laughs) Shikamaru. Non linear storytelling. (laughs) Connected universe. I need to
3: pay $10 to a different Patreon (laughs) to find out what that means. (laughs)
0: There's nothing stopping In two weeks. There's nothing nothing stopping
3: Lord of the Rings and Naruto from
0: being in the same universe just centuries apart, I guess. That's true. Sure, there is. (laughs)
2: What? I, Everything about the Lord of the Rings. I mean Lord Everything of the Rings is meant ninja... to be
1: our universe.
2: Yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean yes, I know that. The whole so point is it's history.
1: Are you
0: are you are you like positing that ninja and chakra stuff is magical
2: and thus? Like... It, it,
0: has,
1: it no, is I'm in fact that actually that, hey, magical have an in the in the world of
2: Naruto, yes. Yes. Like I know you've not read Naruto, but this has a clear explanation and it is not Middle Earth. <laughs>
0: Could be Middle Earth. Could not be it Middle
2: might Earth. be better if it was Middle Earth. <laughs>
0: Can you imagine if you tried to attack an orc and it disappeared and there was a log?
1: I mean, that is canonically what Frodo and Bilbo do when they are attacked. They disappear and there's probably a log because they're standing by a tree.
0: <laughs> I think that's a little bit of a stretch. I think... Because he's putting on the ring. I could make the argument that most of the Lord of the Rings takes place away from trees. Except for that one part.
1: It's I- really that's really just not true actually. We'll find out in this, there, in this podcast. There are so many that trees most in Mordor. is of about trees.
0: How many trees are there in Mordor? Really?
1: None. but That's why it's Mordor. Also Mordor is like three uh chapters of the book. You know, that's that's we were like months away from Mordor.
2: The two bad places are defined by their lack of trees perhaps
0: more than anything. Wait, is Moria a bad place? Yes.
1: Inherently, I was talking about. No, not um, inherently, but also guard. they do describe the columns underground as tree-like, and there's also a big tree on the door. There's a lot of tree iconography happening. We should talk about the chapters ahead of us <laughs> and not get too far ahead of ourselves in the future.
2: Yeah, we, we really want to try hard to not just like talk about future stuff because we were having a conversation about how to do podcasts earlier, just with this philosophically and saying that I think that that's that's not the best thing. Like we we have to try. To limit, I mean, not 100%, we can't be perfect, but I can't always say, oh yeah, and in the movie they do this, and then later in the book, blah, 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 Uh,
3: There's also just a hard limit on how much I can be in that conversation as the person who has not read or seen.
0: You're going to be like, oh, this is the scene where you get the arrow cam, and then that'll be it for like the next 12 chapters. I will
3: guarantee you I will not recognize that arrow cam. Okay. We read the first four chapters
0: of Fellowship of the Ring. Who wants to talk about a long-expected
3: party?
1: I actually want to talk about on the, the prologue stuff. Did you get a chance to oh, get yeah. a hold of the prologue stuff?
3: Mm-hmm. I did, yes. Yeah, it's, okay. in, it's in my book.
1: So the thing I I like about this prologue is it introduces way more like directly than the Hobbit, the part where this is a constructed text made up by the characters in the book long after their adventures over, you know, that Mary is like a mayor or whatever. And like, uh, you know, Frodo helped construct this book or whatever. We we know what's happened, and 300 years later, their descendants wrote *The Lord of the Rings* for uh, a king who we don't know who the king is, but uh, I I know who this king is. That king's Aragorn's son, whatever. Um, and like just establishing a history right off the jump, and I love it.
3: Mm-hmm. You, you uh, the detective, like you were gonna say something. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the uh the j- just the general detached tone that this takes like right from the get-go i think is like a, like an interesting and dramatic departure it also in here has the textual reason why there's two versions of the hobbit even though we read like the uh, the corrected one <laughs> that's more in line it's like bilbo just told everyone the Gollum gave him the ring i think i read that chapter a long time ago It it's it's like, I guess it's like The Hobbit, but since I read Lord of the Rings first, it feels weird to have that exist. I am also like Gandalf, where I'm like, that sounds fake. It sounds like you're lying to me, Bilbo <laughs> Um,
3: That's, like, by far my favorite part of the prologue, and also, like, the reason being that, like, oh, Frodo and Sam knew the truth, but they just loved Bilbo too much to change it. It was very cute, especially yes. coming at it, like, I read the first four chapters, um, and then went back to read the prologue stuff because mm-hmm. um, Rob Inglis doesn't read it in his audiobook, so I had to pick up the Andy Circus audiobook just to hear it. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, just to hear the prologue. So, like, yeah, that exact explanation was a very cute little part of the so book. So,
0: he also doesn't read the foreword, does he?
3: No, he does not. Circus uh, reads the foreword, though, so I got to hear that. Uh, with like Tolkien's explanation of like, it's not about World War II because if it was about World War Two, this would have happened, and it was <laughs> yes, um, a little bit off the rails, I guess. But
2: well, Tolkien, like in when he talks about this, is very uh, <laughs> k- kind of hilariously literal about his interpretation of what allegory is. Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean that's, that's
1: this is the part where he's a professor who specializes in the stuff, being very in the forefront. Right,
2: like this isn't uh, directly about World War Two. It was, it was. This would have to mean this, and there weren't fucking elves in World War Two. And I'm like, Tolkien, please. <laughs> <laughs> Is this I, mean, I think this, I, that
3: Saruman would have been Stalin in that scenario. Whatever, it doesn't matter.
1: <laughs> I think, I think, I think, as much more than anything, as much as it's his professional, like, pedantry deciding like to take umbrage of this, it's the part where it's actually about his experience in World War One. Also, pisses him off. <laughs>
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, cuz it is a broad like argument about England and industrialization and war that is clearly being made and it is not necessarily directly the one thing la- It's like he's basically doing the thing where he's like this isn't about Trump yes. is why he's <laughs> like this.
0: <laughs> <sighs> and then um there's other stuff in that prologue um is it the is that the prologue that's like got like four different s- sections? Yeah, it's, yeah like, it's like
1: it's like stuff s- about hobbits and a bit about pipe weed, stuff like that.
0: Right. I did skim over the weed stuff a little bit. <laughs> just a little it, bit. Um,
1: it's just about how, you know, the, the pipe weed is a thing that came from over the sea um, that the men brought to Middle Earth and then, like, the hobbits are the ones who put it in pipes and started smoking it or whatever. It's nothing. It's just, like, a bit of, like, <laughs> errata. It's fun, though. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, also, he calls it tobacco, even though we all know
1: <laughs> it's tobacco,
0: right?
2: What it's tobacco?
0: It's what? weed. What's happening? It's not weed.
2: It's not weed. Oh, right, yeah.
0: it's not weed.
2: Pointing at know. the uh, pointing at the thing. <laughs> yeah, pointing in the background. I don't know. Hoppets are
0: always kind of, kind of hungry, kind of relaxed. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's always been weed to me. We're all thinking it.
1: I, I didn't realize you were born in the 60s and grew up in the 70s when, like, the weed culture and Lord of the Rings interacted so strongly. <laughs>
2: uh, they're still interacting pretty strongly. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh,
0: since this is Bilbo's birthday, mm-hmm. let's talk about his birthday party. Yeah. Hobbit
1: it's birthdays.
0: It's great. Uh, they give out presents to the guests. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Bilbo has lots of presents. Mm-hmm. And all of them are... Um... No, these aren't the presents that have, like, notes.
3: No.
1: No, that's his parting gifts, like, in his, like, will. Not quite yeah. will, but you know what I mean, yeah. Yeah.
0: But he he has... This is another detail that I forget, is that he has a bunch of dwarves and elves and weird people living with him,
3: helping him set up for the party. Yeah. And, like... Can... Sorry. Finish what you're saying. I just wanted to like summarize the chapter
0: a little bit. It's a it's
3: a birthday
1: party. I can I can summarize (laughs) all four chapters real quick if you want to do that.
3: Always
2: do, yeah. Because I I mean, do how quickly we should have done this before? But how quickly do we want to do the summaries? Because like we can do. I can I can just do them quick.
1: Let's not make a big deal out. We don't have to like. Okay, so. Bilbo Baggins is turning 111. His favorite nephew, right? Uh, thro- cousin? I don't remember. Um, Frodo Nathan. Baggins is turning 33, which is the age in which hobbits are seen as of age. They're having a big br- joint birthday party together. Bilbo decides that he's going to take this opportunity to finally skip town because he feels tired and old. And Gandalf's like, that's a good idea. Leave the ring behind. Um, and he does that at great uh, pressure from Gandalf. Doesn't want to leave it behind. Gandalf tells Frodo to sit tight and just like, don't use the ring just look after it and uh comes back 17 years later <laughs> um being like i uh, guess what this ring sucks it's the one ring um it's made by the dark lord <laughs> to control all the other rings of power um and it's bad and we don't we i, I you can't give it to me if you give it to me it would be bad because i'd use it and i i wouldn't want to but i would um and you need to take it yourself, hold on to it and get out of here. Cause people are looking for you now because, uh, Gollum came out of the mountains and we interrogated him, but he escaped. And then Sauron interrogated him. Sauron, the guy who made the ring and he's ready to come get you and the ring. Cause he now knows the name of Baggins and he knows you're in the Shire. Um, I'll be back, but you need to get ready to go and, uh, take your friend with you as Sam eavesdrops and they pull him in. And, like you're, you're, you're hired. You're coming along. Um, they they leave just in time, like, as people start sniffing around uh, hooded f- figures on horses um, and escape. Gandalf does not show up uh, as they get out of the... Sh- they start leaving the Shire, and they're joined by Merry and Pippin, uh, two of Frodo's uh, other cousins that he happens to like. And they make their way through the wilderness, being pursued by masked riders as various parts of the Shire help him help Frodo out. That's it. Those are the four chapters.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yep. They get to the Ferry. I think yes, yeah, that's yes. Where, we leave is off. where we leave off. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, uh, Bilbo has a bunch of people living in his house, <laughs> and it also comes to a head after the big confrontation between Bilbo and Gandalf, where he's like pressing him to like actually leave the ring, mm-hmm. and after all that with this shouting match and this talk of all this, like, this is where the, um, Where, like. Gandalf is is sort of uh, speaking with a lot more gravity. Yeah, like becoming spooky. Yeah, uh, he's and uh, then the next paragraph is that uh, Bilbo went to the other dwarves who were in his house at the time, <laughs> and they helped him get ready to go. It's like. What are these other, like, <laughs> four dwarves that were just hanging out listening to Gandalf yell? I mean, they yeah. weren't
1: in the... Like, the thing is, Bag End is, like... Because they talk about... They talk in this... uh I think it might be in the prologue, but they talk about how only the wealthy and the poor live in hobbit holes at this point. Like, everyone else yeah. has built houses and lives, like, normal... Like small houses, obviously, because they're hobbits, but they live the way we would think of, like, a like a village. And Bag End is, like, a, a mansion. It's, like, a huge hill that's hollowed out, mm-hmm. and it's got, like, a bunch of different wings, and it's an enormous space. And so he can just put up dwarves, like, in the east wing. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. so I think the idea out, is... They're meant,
3: packing his stuff. They're, you know. Yeah,
1: a, for a normal hobbit, these would be, like, communal family homes, right? You'd have, like, 20 people living in a hobbit hole.
3: Right. That was the other thing that I forgot about, was that, like, you know, Bag End being such a weird place, because, like, you know, um, in Brandybuck Hall, I think that's what it's called, like, there's 40 fucking people living there, you know? Um, and we don't see that yet, but, like, they say it. Like, there's a lot of fucking people living over there. <laughs> you can fit a lot of yeah. hobbits into a hole. Yeah. Or you can fit just Bilbo and Frodo hanging out.
1: There's also a bit like before, like during the party as like, you know, it seems like this party takes like three months to get going, right? Like people show up right. and all dwarves come from the loaming mountain with fireworks and toys and stuff. But like, there's a, there's a bit I really like where it's like right when everyone start, meet, might start grumbling about not shopping local, all the orders come in for like all the food and drink, like provided locally and all the entertainment and stuff. It's just right. good. Like it's like a, it's like a, it's like an attention to detail that makes this stuff work because like you know this is just like getting bilbo out the door basically uh out of this book moving all the focus onto frodo but this stuff is like good like i just am interested in these two bachelors living together planning this ridiculous party there's a bit like right when bilbo disappears where frodo like they say frodo laughed and smiled along with everyone but then kind of looked sad because he'd been in on the idea but didn't actually think it was that funny didn't think it was great for bilbo to just disappear and run off
3: (laughs) Yeah. All the stuff about Frodo just being very fond of Bilbo and missing him is, like, really good because I, too, am yeah. fond of Bilbo and miss him. uh <laughs> Um. They just have a very sweet relationship, it seems like. Hmm. His, his whole reasoning, hey, Frodo, you should come live with
0: me. Then we can celebrate our birthdays together.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. It, you, no, you? No, you Okay. I was just going to ask, like, what do we make of Frodo so far? I feel like he hasn't been much of a character a ton yet, other than, like, just being a younger hobbit who misses Bilbo. And is a little bit more worldly than Bilbo was, because, he's, at, he's, at this age.
0: He's a little more, I feel like he's been more observant than the other hobbits. And he's been more, like, anxious, Mm -hmm. because he's always the one saying no we have to get off the road there's a horse coming or like we have to go straight through the wilderness we can't like we gotta gotta just make a straight line and run Mm -hmm. because we can't like take up any more time so that's the impression i got so far but
1: yeah um the other thing that's interesting about uh, Frodo specifically is once he gets the ring, much like Bilbo, he stops aging. Um, and unlike, and, and unlike, uh, Bill, uh, unlike Bilbo, like he has all of his friends, like Sam's 39 Pippin and uh Mary are like around 30. Like he's hanging out with people who are the age he was when he got the ring. Right. Like he's, he is like a character that's been arrested since Bilbo left. Um, and much like Bilbo started taking up, like, hang around, like, the the weirder, younger kids that he could influence, even though he is still, like, that person himself, right? Like, he's just into right. adulthood. Um, but he clearly is not prepared. Like, he, there's just, like, something removed about him. Like, Bilbo is, like, a weirdo because of what happened to him. Frodo, because of how he was raised by Bilbo or just disposition, feels different, like, othered compared to other hobbits in a way that, like, these, his peers respond to, even though they're not his peers anymore. They're, like, a generation younger than him, even.
3: Yeah, and like, I'm sorry. What were you going to say, Nora? I was
0: just going to remind that everyone that he was 50. Yeah, he's yeah, 50 yeah. now, and not. I I would forget about the 17 year yes time <laughs> skip where because um, like time is always kind of loose with um, these chapters like this um, when. Tolkien is like montaging, basically, and like very smoothly, like progressing time by several weeks or several. I years. mean, just-
1: I think this is. I think this is also a problem that the movies introduce, where this is where Gandalf rides off and talks to Saruman and uh, goes and checks all the documents at Minas Tirith or whatever that we see in a in a montage. Um, I means here's a long ways away and gandalf's a busy guy like he got a lot of irons in the fire like there, there's the part where he like you know sends aragorn after Gollum, and like a lot's happening that is off screen but presented in the movies as like a montage that w- dramatically compresses the space and time involved in all right. this
2: and the things that he says about what happens are uh really interesting like sauron right is like all-powerful he's the dark lord he's terrifying uh He had to fucking interrogate Gollum. Yes. (laughs) Um... (laughs) and it sets up a lot um, about like this is what I think so much of this is especially in the early parts of Lord of the Rings are about to me is the idea of who knows things what does it mean to like have information information is itself power knowing history is power Gandalf constantly says like these things are known among the wise which Frodo is not he's just a guy mm-hmm. um, he doesn't know the history and even and like they see like even the hobbits start to notice the elves disappearing and going past the thing they've heard rumors of uh, you know they go in these boats and they never come back and um, the history like seeps down to the low levels but it like they don't have the context for it and you know there's no internet (laughs) there's no way (laughs) to just get these answers uh and this is a book at least at this part in which like knowing about history is not only power but like a unique power like that makes you a special person to know how things happened and who is the what and what is going on yeah there's there's a bit later on i
1: was thinking about like what we've lost in modern fiction because like Sauron's powerful. He's got a He's got a huge tower and an army and a, like scary, like Ring Race. We know the Ring Race because everyone knows about Lord of the Rings now. They're running around looking for Frodo, um, but they're they're just asking around. They're like, "We've got gold if you tell us where Baggins is." Like that's there's no way. Like in a modern story, this stuff is done away with because people who are scary have access to technology and can just find you. Mm-hmm. Um the part where they're literally missing b- like Frodo by inches uh riding around asking everyone have you have you seen baggins and everyone's like you're not from here we're not telling you shit um is is really interesting to me it's like so much of this is about and this like is brought up multiple times in this chapter, like what is circumstance and what is coincidence and what do those things mean? And then when they operate in people's lives, like, is there such a thing as things that are faded? And if so, can we discern who's doing the fading and to what purpose? And, uh, how do you react to a world where like things just seem to happen to you for a reason and you can't really tell why, or if it's bad or good until it all shakes out.
0: Another difference between this and some more, um, a more modern story is the way that the ringwraiths are just guys in this yeah. one. <laughs> they're just guys. They walk around and they talk to people directly and they sound a little weird. They're like definitely like foreigners or from very far away, farther mm-hmm. even than the humans that the, the big folk that the, the yeah. hobbits occasionally yes. come in contact with. And the and they're kinda uh they're kinda weird, but they're not like Monsters. They don't project an aura of intense fear mm-hmm. the way well, that they they, uh, they do in
1: the. In they the- they project an aura that something's off because there's like you can't see what's under the hood even though you're right, right like really close to them. That's the thing mm-hmm. multiple people say, and they they don't look for things. They're like sniffing for things, and there's right. even a bit where they describe one coming off the horse and like crawling around, yeah. look like sniffing. Um, but yeah, they are def- they are definitely not the like cons- the thing that the ring race will eventually be which is like you know witch kings with
2: armor and magic ghost powers well it's a very different vision of magic yes uh which is a thing that happens a lot in the older fantasy books um and you see in like certain uh, fiction still but it's definitely a more grounded form of magic um in a way that that gets very codified in the post Tolkien sense of special powers and a cool sword and blasting fireballs uh yeah they're just we- they, they come across as like weird creatures like our guys i guess because we you know that's what they look like and they seem to be but they're also off and it, it's it's just weird they're just weird things from this enemy that frodo doesn't really know about and is mostly annoyed that he now has to know about it
1: yeah i mean <laughs> like i don't do we want to talk about what the ringwraiths are a bit i guess because it's like talked about here kind of they just don't draw the connections all the materials here Oh, uh, yeah. Cause like the oh, are- yeah, They don't are... actually
0: call the writers ringwraiths
1: yeah. Yeah, 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 but we know the writers are the nine kings of men who are given rings of power that are under mm-hmm. Sauron's thrall right. now. Um, so they're not any different than like if Gollum got like, they're not, they're not different than Gollum other than like, what if Aragorn got a ring like Gollum did and then lived for hundreds of years and became a Gollum guy? They would be one of these guys. Like, these are what these guys are. Yes. Um, and so they, they aren't like, you know, they don't need to be otherworldly, they're just people who had power beyond what, like, Smeagol had when he got the Ring of Power, but um brought low in the same way, where, like, you know, Smeagol eventually just goes underground and hunts fish for 600 years or whatever.
0: And that's what mm-hmm. saves him from becoming this, because yes. they talk about, yes. like, if you used it too much, eventually you would just become, like, you would just disappear forever.
1: Uh, yeah. yes,
2: yeah. Which is what makes the, um, like, language of you can't see underneath their hoods really effective here in a way that like uh the movies definitely can't because the movies they're just ghost guys they're just weird guys um I didn't and they look together magic-y and, uh, yeah um
3: huh.
2: but in this they, they have that line and no one can see under their hoods and you're like oh what's under there and the answer is probably just nothing like it's not it's not a nothing of like a um weird black void ghost thing right it's just a nothing of what happens when you wear the ring too much Mm -hmm, right can i just say the scene in which uh well there's there's two scenes it's the scene with frodo and gandalf and the scene before with bilbo and gandalf where they're talking about the ring and what it can do yeah just electric amazing scenes oh tolkien has got it this This is is why this is is the real shit to
3: bring up because i really liked the bit where bilbo is like you know, sometimes I keep the ring on me and I feel as if there's, like, an eye watching me from afar and, like, a dark shadow, like, creeping over me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I know what that is!
2: (laughs) (laughs) The ways in which the dynamic between Bilbo and Gandalf, like, plays in these really just, like, beautiful, subtle back and forth of, like, Bilbo is, um... Really happy that Gandalf's like had him. The, the, the going on the Hobbit adventure changed his life. And it's imme- immeasurably for the better. He is like a better person for having done this. Uh, and that is like the point of the Hobbit. Um, but now it's like been put into his grander plan, uh, and he knows this thing is dangerous and he has found something that is taking his soul away slowly. And he is like resentful of Gandalf and angry at Gandalf. And Gandalf's like this powerful figure who can you know make him basically bend to his will in some lines but then you realize that no like gandalf's in awe of bilbo on some level because if if these were reversed gandalf is not putting the fucking ring back on the like on the floor he's just not he just wouldn't do it yeah and he knows this uh the thing that bilbo does in that scene is like massive he he gives it up no one does that he gives it up yeah he's the only person who's ever done that
1: (laughs)
0: yes
2: yes
1: and i think the book even stops and breaks to mention that that's true and i think that remains that yeah. remains true uh in lord of the Rings.
2: like it's uh it well you don't when you read it understand quite like the book goes out of your way to let you know but because it's so early you don't understand just how big a thing bilbo does in this like very quiet lonely scene mm-hmm. and the way they talk about just their old adventures and just the sense of getting old uh it's like lovely i, I love all that stuff i think it's like really good and wistful
3: yeah
1: um, but also like whenever they have uh, the thing I like about this is like all the description of like what Sauron is and the enemy and all that stuff happens like in a kind of way like we were talking all night, Gandalf, but you wouldn't tell me about the ring now it's morning, let's talk about the ring, very good, just like the way in which that stuff yes. is pitched and framed is uh great,
0: yeah, daytime is powerful in this in a way that um is not a thing I'm used to seeing in fantasy in this way of like. We don't talk about the creepy shit at night. We wait until the full, you know, light of day to even talk about mm-hmm. evil things. And even then, some things you don't—you just don't say.
1: Yeah. This is the the, the thing I like about—and this is true in the Hobbit, and it's true in this book. Like even from the jump, is that Tolkien doesn't think the the bad guys are cool. Never has. Not even <laughs> a little bit. Not even once. There's like no capacity in him to <laughs> think that. <laughs>
2: yes, right. Yeah, and that's that. That is just not true of any fiction. No, yes. like, that's it's a rarity in genre fiction going forward. I, mean, I understand why, like Tolkien thinks that, and how like, it can in this time. But going forward, the bad guys will be cool. Yeah, that is just a, the way. Like even in the adaptations, the bad guys are cool. Yeah, uh, that's just how culture works with cool guys with swords that you have to fight. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: but that does mean you get the thing where it's like you know we don't we don't talk about the ring or Sauron at nighttime because they're evil things that have like an evil power in the way that like a traditional sense of conceptualizing evil that is like opposed to the way we think about it now right like you know go to went to Target today you can you can get merchandise with Darth Vader on it he killed women and children
0: <laughs> <laughs> not just the men
3: <laughs> um. The other thing that I really enjoy about that is like the way that like Gandalf just will not, um, will not use the language of Mordor, just will not, you know, um, and it's not corny, it's not like over the top, it's just words have power and he will not speak that language, you know?
1: Mm -hmm. There's a great bit, um, later on when Frodo meets the elves and he knows like, Three lines of Elvish, and they're so delighted that he would like bother to (laughs) learn their language. (laughs) <laughs> um, it's very good, and they're like they're like amused in the way that like he's probably not doing it well, but they're still like delighted and impressed that a hobbit that is like beneath their notice tried. Um, mm-hmm. and it's good. I think that stuff's super charming. But yeah, words words have power. Knowing the knowing the names of things and being able to speak about stuff is its own power. Like there's a bit where Frodo's trying to nail down uh that elf. He's like, just give me a straight answer. What do you think I should do? And he's like, I don't want to. And it it's not on me. If you take my advice and it blows up, but here's what I think you should do. <laughs>
2: because <laughs> well, he's like has Gandalf told you and then the guy's like well he no he, he hasn't seen me yet I, he, I'm need. i a bit lost can you tell me he's like nah I'm not Gandalf I'm not taking Gandalf responsibility are you kidding me <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's the guy that tells people things and tells them to do weird things I'm just riding here
3: <laughs> it's very funny um, the way that like because one of the very early scenes is like people at the um Green dragon and like, y- like various hobbits, like talking and like doing a thing that I think is like very like Midwestern about like getting really into, like, oh, well, you know, he wasn't just a baggins, he was also a brandy buck on his mother's side, blah, blah, blah. Um, and the ways that it like shows the hobbits as kind of like very petty people in this early mm. part. And then Two chapters later, we meet elves, and they're also, like, kind of petty people in just a very different way. And, like, you have Sam who's like, oh, I'm so excited to meet elves. I want to meet elves so bad. And th- the elves are also just kind of people. And you know? we know from The Hobbit that dwarves are
0: also pretty petty people.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know who's not? Uh, the pettiness in... Oh, you-, you go. You know
0: who's not petty? Hmm. Goblin King.
2: Him. <laughs> He's <laughs> dead. <laughs> <laughs> the pettiness in this uh opening chapter especially is beautiful the like contempt with which Tolkien writes the like hobbit in drama now is amazing uh like it was there in the hobbit but played out for more of a broad comedy this all the stuff with the like sackville baggins is so mean mm-hmm. it's so like fuck these people these people like but also knives in their back ready <laughs> to get their inheritance and they suck so much and Bill they won't you know back then they them. know the great things are happening <laughs>
3: Sorry, uh, just Bilbo getting back at them in the exact same way that they would try to get at him. Like, oh, I left you some silver spoons, fucko. <laughs> Might as well have the yeah, because Bilbo's set.
2: not above it. <laughs> Bilbo's not like above it, right? The whole point isn't that like he's risen above. It. Like he <laughs> deliberately he wants to sneak away without anybody knowing, and that is his like that he he that's his goal. He wants to just be forgotten and go away from the Shire because it's too much for his like. Old uh, soul to handle that withered from the rings influence, and he does this, but by throwing a party to invite everyone to be like, Fuck you all, at leave. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Which that's just perfectly contradictory and beautiful. Look, like, great, thanks, Bilbo. Yeah. Love it, good job. That's where
0: that, that that line comes from. I don't know half of you half as well as I should like, and I like less than half of you half as much as you deserve.
2: <laughs> the, that line's amazing, and obviously, the, the I, I love the next bit, which isn't in the movie, obviously, the um, like explanation, right? Where it's like, they, everyone just kind of sat there and tried to work out where to add up to a compliment. <laughs> uh. the,
3: the back and forth of, like, Oh Bilbo stood up and everybody clapped And he said "To let's drink to your good health And everybody clapped and then he started Oh shit he's gonna do poetry Fuck <laughs>
2: Uh the one bit where he's like And all the sackvilles and the bagginses And all the turks and all the brandy bags And all the proud feet And all the one guy like Yeah proud feet <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> Like oh yeah of course Mwah. Perfect I've been down to the pub too <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, this extends also to like, we see, uh, Gaffer Gamji, Sam's dad or whatever, like, is a guy who's like, my son hangs out with the Bagginses and they teach him like some stories and they taught him to read and that's nice and all, as long as he doesn't get in too much trouble. Like, the way in which like the class element like simmers through this, like, elves are n- like, this is the thing. Like hobbits have class in a way that like most of the Middle Earth people do not. It like elves are just elves. They're, like there's no like people respect Elrond because he's like a great guy or whatever. And we like we've met Elrond, but like everyone else is just an elf, Uh and, and that's not true of Hobbit society. Or like you know Gaffer mm-hmm. Gamgee and Sa- Sam. If he'd not if he was not friends with Frodo and Bilbo, would never learn how to read. He's just a gardener. Like he just does handy stuff, right? Um. And instead, he becomes a guy who goes on this adventure and like wants to meet elves. And uh, when he meets the there's a great bit, and I just love it. Sam is just th- the nicest guy in the world or whatever. When they meet the elves the next morning, like Frodo's like, well, you met elves. This is well, all you wanted. We, we, we're two days into our journey to who knows where, the ends of the earth. And he did the thing you wanted to do, met an elf. Crazy, right? And he's like, well, what do you think? And he's like, uh, they seem a bit above my likes and dislikes, so to speak. I don't seem to matter what I think about them. They're quite different than what I expected. Uh, so old and young, so gay and sad, as it were. And like him being like touching on the magic and like reacting with like a very humble like you know I have like I might have opinions but like it doesn't really matter they're they're people and they're like different people than me so who cares what like a a hobbit like me thinks it's just good he's just a humble nice guy I love him
3: (laughs) I love him um
0: and then there's the wilderness half of these chapters. I really like the wilderness half of these chapters. Mm-hmm. They're just fine. Um There's the part where Mary leaves and they only have Pippin. Mm-hmm. And Mary's like off ahead. And they just have to like go through these Oh god, I'm getting it mixed up with the other fantasy book that I just finished reading that also has a big travel thing. <laughs> uh but they just like have to get through this wilderness that and when they go off especially when they go off the trail and they're just like just out here just sleeping under trees we're just like there's a creek yeah,
3: yeah there's I a,
0: there's, really a, there's like a bit of
3: stuff I'm sorry
1: Oh, no, I, there's a bit where like they wake up and everyone's kind of grumbling because like they're used to sleeping in beds and they're out in the wilderness or whatever. And like Frodo goes to take a walk because he's a guy who like does his, like takes his morning constitution and he comes back like, you didn't bring the water? He's like, what well, water? I thought you went to go get water so we could like wash up and cook with like go Frodo get the water. And he's like, well, I'm going to get the water. You're coming with me to get the water. Uh, it's just like, you know, it's just boys night all the time with the hobby.
2: <laughs> it is boys night. The way
3: Frodo it's definitely is boys night. So constantly lost to his own thoughts as like they're traveling the wilderness is so cute. He's just thinking about his own shit. <laughs> like sometimes Boys Night intrudes on him just thinking about what he's got going on. <laughs> and he's also
0: thinking about uh Farmer Maggot a lot. Because they, they end up sort of taking a shortcut through mushrooms. Uh
1: to mushrooms, yeah, shortcut Not to mushrooms.
3: mushrooms.
1: <laughs> this stuff's good because it's like the idea that like by going on this journey we already see like this is the thing that happened to bilbo right like he went and he fought a dragon he came back and he was not afraid of the sackville bagginses anymore this happens to frodo on like night three where he's like oh this thing that i've been afraid of my entire life is like chicken shit i'm over it this guy was nice i can just talk to him like an adult i'm 50 i don't look it but i'm 50 i can just talk to this man um and does, and will, you know, going into much worse scenarios in the future. uh, is just, like, a nice, like, touchstone of, like, why Gandalf trusts hobbits to do this, right? Like, they're characters that can withstand this sort of, like, confrontation with themselves and are hardy and will carry the day.
3: Mm-hmm. It's nice. Yeah, it's
1: cute. Also, after all the Sackville bag and stuff, you need, like, you know, not every a hobbit is, like, just, like, a sniping asshole, right? Like, some of them are just yeah. decent folk. <laughs>
3: Yeah, he's just a farmer, yeah. and he's protective of his stuff. But he's just a nice guy.
0: Yeah, and he's he's um, the first of our uh, meet a guy and stay with him on the road.
2: <laughs> Classic Tolkien uh, <laughs> bit there. you know he loves to do this, and it's really good because like it, it starts out and, then, and they're all like terif- terrified of the wrong, but like because of what happened in the past, and he's like used to be caught in you know, his youth, uh, and doesn't like uh, Farm Maggot cuz he you know when he was a kid um is all like worried that he's going to get told off in the new bay he's basically like first of all you weren't stealing you're an adult who was like taking a shortcut i was mostly confused <laughs> as to why you wouldn't go on the goddamn road like you meant to which is obviously faster even if it's the long way around uh, but aside from that i'm not like annoyed with you by the way i got some info some guy was looking for you i didn't you know i didn't know where you were uh and i'm not i would even if i did i wouldn't have answered Just fucking weirdos coming around anyway um it's great The like vibe of this meeting is so good because we don't get this in um the hobbit because by the time they start like you know doing the thing where they come into people's houses there's a distance from it this is someone frodo already knows yeah. there's a pre-existing relationship and we already understand the, like the shire uh so it's like given a bit of a different context than like coming across a random you know legendary bear uh, or whatever i mean it's weird because like that's just put right up against the most hobbit bit
1: in this entire book to me which is the one bit where the the narrator like veers into the life of a fox that sees the hobbits traipsing through the woods (laughs) yes
0: i was gonna mention that this is my favorite part because it's just a fox that comes across the hobbits and it's like Oh ho ho! What have we here? Three hobbits on the road, and then the narrator is like, "The fox would never learn anything more about this."
2: <laughs> Thank you. I was really wondering if this fox would find out what was going on in the, in the Lord of the Rings. Got to keep and it fox secret. We'll
3: come back later. It'll be very important.
2: Keep it safe. Yep. Um.
3: Yeah, I just really love the way that, like, Tolkien just gets into, like, describing the sort of, like, majesty of nature in the Shire, um, the sort of just, like, you know, like, he just has, like, a really good way with words around, like, describing landscapes and describing, like, moving across these landscapes that is just really fucking evocative and good and,
0: yeah. And it makes me really frustrated over the people who, when I was in a, uh, when I was a teenager in a writing group... Where people would complain about Tolkien describing trees and stuff. It's like, no. This shit's the best part of the book. It's it's good, actually. (laughs) Baby?
2: Yeah. From what I have read of Modern Fantasy, which isn't that much, the idea that Tolkien's, like, too flowery is ridiculous. (laughs) I mean, the thing the thing thing is, like, he is willing to, like... The uh, the story
1: is about characters with an attachment to the land, and also the narrative is invested in showing you why that's the case, right? Like, these people yes. care about the, like, fens and fields that they are going to walk through, and it's important to the plot to see what they are going to leave behind, right? Like, when they get to the parts yeah. where they're in a mine, and it fucking sucks down there.
2: But I, I never felt in this, of like, oh, this is really taking a long yeah. time to get but the next also, scene. Like,
1: Tolkien's writing in a mode that's,
2: like... 19th century
1: literature. If you're if you're someone yes. who reads like books about wizards shooting like lightning bolts, I get why you're like, what what is this? What the fuck is happening in this book? <laughs> some some <laughs> dumpy guys are walking through a field.
2: <laughs> I, love <it. laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm here enough. for it.
1: I'm just saying, I understand where it comes from. Mm. Because I can't like I I, I read I read two of the Song of Ice and Fire books. They're enormous books. They're as big as Lord of the Rings. Nobody walks through a fucking field in those books. There's always something Uh, happening. People running around, yelling, and fucking, and killing.
2: (laughs) That's true. But there is they are walking through fields in those books as well, but not in the same way. Like, because, you mean, this is the other thing, and that, like, those books, right, and and a lot of modern fiction, not just fantasy, just like how genres are written, will create scale through the use of multiple perspective characters that will all intermingle. Mm -hmm. And the book can have like 70 chapters, but you only have like 10 with one guy.
0: The other thing, Um, like, I wish that Song of Ice and Fire was better at describing the, like, flow of space. Because one of the biggest problems I had with those books is the way that I was completely lost on whole branches of the plot because details were just given through like different POV characters hearing rumors about stuff happening elsewhere, and like I would much rather like the narr- a narrator mm-hmm. just say stuff like in this book.
2: Mm-hmm. I, that's like the not to be so broad about it, but like as like this kind of fiction progresses in the influence of like cinema sleeps in, right. Like the idea of breaking the camera of the book to have a, like a new voice becomes less popular, mm. especially in genre fiction. Uh, unless it's a first-person thing when it can be contextualized and then that can be its whole other, like, form. Yeah, But, you know, I read other Star Trek books which I cite specifically because they're the most, like, this is what a tie-in, license, acceptable, normal genre book is. Uh, And they would never do it. Like, every piece of information there has to be delivered either through dialogue or through a direct, like, third-person narration that is, like, inside someone's head. It's not quite first-person, but it is at least related to a character's mental state at the time. It is always contextualized within a scene and the scene is representative of a camera. Uh, not all the way, you know, we get some people doing some writing in there as well, but it definitely is a different way to, like, bring up lore, I guess.
3: Yeah. And, like, Nora and I are really big fans of the, like, Brandon Sanderson fantasy novels. Those are books about, like, um... Sort of similar to Game of Thrones, I think, like, sort of... Pulling as much from, like, television, I think, as from, um, like, fantasy novels, because it's about, like, ah, we're gonna have this, like, huge cast of characters, and for this, like, part one of the novel, like, Kaladin is the A-plot, and, um, you know, Shalon is the B-plot, um, and we're gonna switch back and forth from these POVs, and, oh, we're gonna switch back to Shalon's POV, but we're gonna or Shallan's story, but we're going to do a different POV character to give you, like, a slightly different view on that. And it's, it feels very, like, it feels very television. It feels very, like, dialogue is the main driving force of those books in a way that, like, people don't talk, like, that much in these first four chapters of Lord of the Rings. There's a lot of sort of
0: off-screen conversations. Or not off-screen, but, like, just the narration condensed into lines they yeah they talked about this or he told him about this and he had this to say and then eventually it'll like it'll like sort of sway back into in the moment dialogue and sway back out of it especially in things like um the early parts where the gaffer is describing the experience of living near bilbo baggins Mm -hmm. as like Oh, Bilbo's the talk of the town. So now all the old people suddenly find their, like, uh, reminiscing in in great desire. And everyone wants to ask the old people all the questions about Bilbo. And so it kind of, like, veers into, like, describing how that goes. And then it veers into a couple of actual exchanges. And it's it's very fluid, and I think... This yeah. book just flows really well. Yeah,
2: I, it's a good I, book. <laughs> <laughs> one of the times I was trying to, I keep trying, and maybe I'll just give up. But I was trying to read Elantris again, um, <laughs> no, you know, no. to join to join you. No. And I maybe I should just listen to the podcast and give up. Um, but there's one scene in that, and I only got a little bit in. But do you remember the scene uh, where Serene goes to whatever his name is to house for the first time, and they have dinner with his kids? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that scene. Is one of the most internally long bits of like dialogue that I've ever sat through. He like walks in, the kid says a joke, the other kid says a joke, they have a conversation about some other bullshit that doesn't matter, and this could easily be condensed in. The kids greeted each other, and they had dinner, and it was pleasant and nice, and she hadn't been uh, this happy in a long time. Whatever, like you know, that's badly written because I made it up on a podcast, but (laughs) you could do that with some better language and get the same thing across in a simple amount of time without. Breaking it into a scene. One of the strengths of literature is it doesn't have to be a scene in the television sense, right?
0: <laughs> no, you can condense it, and very stretch important. out time. It's very important that you get the clues about the magical autism character in that chapter.
1: I mean, the it thing. Oh, is that what that was setting stuff. up? Are I, you fucking kidding me? I don't <laughs> read. I don't read a lot of fantasy, but this is true. Even in like, like litfic MFA bullshit, which is the books I like to read, is. Modern books, you can tell that even if they don't, even if this is not their intent, many writers are writing to the adaptation they want to sell,
3: right? Yes.
2: yes. Well, I, that's one way of framing it. Or the other way of framing it is that, like, the dominant way of storytelling in everyone's minds is the cinema. Yes, yes. Like, yes. that is just true of how we conceptualize narrative. Uh, and whether it is an intentional cynical choice or not, I think that comes across with a lot of... If I was to write a book, it would come across like that. That's just good, just how it would be. I know this, for me. It's fine. I would like mm-hmm.
1: that to not be true for me. But yeah, no, I mean, like, Tolkien's a person who's steeped in, like, you know, not just, like, literature of his era, but, like, ancient literature. <laughs> That's why it's full of fucking yeah. poems, right? Because he's a nerd? Yeah, because he's a fucking nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm but it does it this- does mean it does mean that scenes where characters are just talking are incredible and scenes where they're just walking are like descriptive and evocative in ways that you don't get out of a lot of books even like of this time like he's i just think that he writes a good sentence that i like to read that's good to chew on mm-hmm. and dream about
3: yeah
2: yes the sentences are really good i mean he's a linguist so i get it yes. <laughs> uh, uh, but damn good words I'm
0: starting to think this guy might know what he's doing also, yeah. from the foreword, um, uh, this book took like ten years to write, or something. Yes, the, yeah.
3: The funny thing about it, though, is that this book is clearly not in the forefront of his mind at the time. Like no. he's working on it, then he drifts away. There's I, also a war happening. Yeah. No,
1: but, no, like. like- the Hobbit, The Hobbit is already published, like, Pub is published in yeah. what, like 33 or whatever. And then 37. 37. They, yeah. Th- so the war's over. And then they, they, they want a new sequel. And he's like, I'll work on something. But he's like a professor. Like he's, he's like chair of his department. He's busy. He's got a life. And then mm. he works on this. And I've like read like early drafts and I've like, if you get into like the, the history of middle art of the books, which are about the writing of this, his whole thing is he'd write, he, he wrote the beginning and he'd write it as like, it was like this uh, pretty straightforward sequel to The Hobbit. But then he gets like to where they leave and he's like, I don't like this. And then just starts in the beginning and like changes a little bit and like writes the whole thing over again gets a little further gets to elrond i don't like this scraps it starts in the beginning that's just the way he didn't write like you think of people writing books as like there's a process you can read online how to write a book he doesn't either doesn't know or doesn't care
2: how you write a book (laughs) he just he did it this way yeah
3: yeah
2: (laughs) which is why like it's both so influential because uh, he like this is the thing with the history of middle earth right like he creates middle earth separate to writing the books yeah mm-hmm. um and i think importantly uh not at, like it is very separate to writing the books like, we, we, i'm sure we'll talk more about his actual motivations as i read like some of the letters or whatever as we've done with this but when people come up with their fancy universes now it is often because you know you have a creative drive and you want to fill your universe with a lore in stories, which I'm not saying is a bad thing, but like there is a reason this feels different because he came up with the world and just thought about it without intending to tell a story with it for ages. <laughs> uh before eventually settling on the story. Like, you know, uh yeah. if I what i think about stuff and like imagine things i would want to write the story comes first because that's what i'm thinking yeah, of, so he, i'm not a linguist i'm not like a world imaginer the, the way
1: in which i and i could be wrong about this because it's been a long time and i'm trying not to do a bunch of like background research for this but the way i conceptualize it is he had like the middler stuff that he's been working on since he was a teenager like just his like pet world and he wrote the hobbit and threw in some allusions to it but mostly is just writing a fun adventure tale for kids and it, it does really well and the minute they're like we'll write another one like he just can't help but like leap into combining those two things together as hard as possible 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 um but it like wasn't it wasn't like developed that way right like it's just his tendency to like the 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 idea of middle earth will just come and leach into the work because that's the thing he's always thinking about
2: yeah and when i was like a teenager right i was like planning out things that i never never did like stories i never wrote scripts i like maybe wrote a couple of or as you are with a teenager it was always through the idea of and then i'd write this and then i i could do a spin-off in this area and i could write about this and they were they were all with the idea of doing something yeah. in a way that i feel like middle earth is not middle earth just is yeah. he enjoys to think about middle earth yeah. he's not a novelist he just wrote some books no and i think I that, yes. that counts think a lot middle earth. <laughs> we all like to think about middle earth There's some classic guys in (laughs) Middle-Earth.
3: So true. I want to meet more guys. What's your favorite guy so far? Probably Frodo. Okay. He doesn't make... I said earlier in this episode he doesn't make a strong impression, but I actually, like, as we're talking about it, I'm like, no, I think there's, like, some subtle character. There's, like, some understated character work going on here, and I'm really... I I like Frodo. I,
2: I really like Frodo's situation when he's talking to Gandalf and, like, no like there's no way he doesn't do this because he is a good man who will do the thing but he is like very cognizant in a way that bilbo wasn't in the Hobbit because it was a different book but also like difference in character he is very cognizant of, like he has been chosen uh and they talk in the ways of like by the world and by fate and everything but he's also been chosen specifically by gandalf gandalf could have had another guy come in and pick up the ring he chose frodo and this is like inexorably changed frodo's life in ways that he cannot even begin to perceive at this point but he knows they are there uh and will like bear it but is not you know ha- he had ideas of what he could be and they're all gone yes. those those ideas are no longer relevant and gandalf
1: even acknowledges like this is more self-awareness than he expected and it, it it's like a good thing but also he understands that like if frodo knows what how difficult this might be or what it might ask of him that just makes his job all the harder but it only makes gandalf more impressed yes, yes.
0: Yeah. Even the wise would not have foreseen uh how strong the characters of hobbits would be. So true. Uh also Gandalf's the only person who goes in for hobbit lore, it
3: says. That's cute. <laughs> <laughs> he just really believes in these little guys.
0: Yeah.
2: I love the detail that he's been off researching. He's found out about the like, you know, he's they they've Know what the ring is? They figured everything out. They've got this. They've got the information, but he doesn't know. Like one, he doesn't know until he puts the ring in the fire. Like he, he gets all the information. He's pretty sure he, he, you know, they interrogate Gollum, Sauron interrogates Gollum. Everything seems to be converging on this. It all makes sense, but it's not until he actually sees the writing on the ring that he's like, "Oh fuck." <laughs> <laughs> That's such a good moment. Um, I mean, yeah,
0: but like you. You could look at scrolls all day and you can go read tomes, but like, uh, that could all just be wrong. You could just be wrong. You could be jumping at
3: shadows, but also the way that like, um, Frodo has not put on the ring for 17 years. He's carried the ring with him, but he has not put on the ring. Um, and even still like the ring has power over him to where he kind of like jumps when Gandalf puts the ring in the fire. He's like, Oh shit. You know, um, it's good. Yes.
2: Uh, what more do we have about these chances? I mean, we we liked them. Good, good book. Yep. Off to a good start. Good,
0: yeah. <laughs> um, M and Jackson, tell me your favorite guys.
1: Oh, um, oh. I mean, it's weird because like. My favorite guy, will, I, I just know who I like because I know the story back to front. But like in these chapters, I think uh, I th- I just think Frodo comes across really well um, in a way that's interesting. I I love Sam. Sam's probably my favorite ca- my favorite character that is like a main character in this in this book period. But he hasn't done a ton yet, so I guess I'd say yeah. Frodo.
2: No, I mean that's the I was I I thought I had answers. I was saying Frodo in the last bit, but yeah. yes. Uh. But I, I like Bilbo as well in this, in this stuff. I like old Bilbo. Uh, I love when a story has someone get old and be sad about it. That's just always works. Easy, easy get. Easy get for that one. <laughs> oh, the other thing I
3: was going to say about Bilbo is that we talked so much in the last episode about like everybody in The Hobbit being like motivated by greed and like um, Bilbo being kind of different because he doesn't feel that same way about it and he just is ready to give up the Arkenstone, doesn't care. Yeah. Um, fast-forwarding, like, 50 years to no, Bilbo really wants this fucking ring, like, makes that twist, like, makes it, like, work kind of good as a twist, Is like, oh, even like, you know, this Bilbo wasn't like this and the ring made him like this. You know? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: As Even but, as
2: he's giving away literally everything he owns to, like, yes. go
1: live with the elves.
2: <laughs> like, everyone's shocked He doesn't, like, take stuff with him. Like... He it's just him. He just walks off in the middle of the night, and then Frodo has to deal with all the stuff.
0: I guess this is the Hobbit equivalent of marking all your email emails as
2: read. <laughs> <laughs> I do think like that is like the, the book
1: is also really good about like Frodo doesn't put on the ring. Gandalf tells him to put on the ring. He doesn't even seem like he's not he's not playing tricks like Bilbo did. He he doesn't even think about the ring basically for seventeen years. And the minute he's on the road, and you like the 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 riders are there, and like the 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 attention is outstretched. The, the sense that he should put on the ring whenever there's danger like starts coming and it, like the the book is not like doesn't outright say that it's not coming from him but even genos like the ring kind of has a mind of its own it'll slip off your finger and try to get from person to person like the influence is happening already like instantly
2: yes
0: yeah uh i think my favorite guy from these chapters specifically is the one ring wraith who crawls around in the dirt sniffing <laughs>
2: He's a classic guy. That's a guy right there. I
3: love that guy.
0: If my remembering is right, I think that's the only one of those guys who has an actual name in the extraneous text.
2: Well, there you go.
3: Other than, like, a title. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Witch King of Angmar. For example.
0: Yeah. Uh, if that's... Are we doing... We're saving all emails for the end of the book. Is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yes, okay. yes. Where should yes. people send them though if they want to send one? You
0: should send them to exportaudiopodcast at gmail Put bag end book or club in the subject line, uh, and send us your emails. See, so you can send us Hobbit emails too, and I'll, I'm willing to, to entertain general
3: fantasy questions.
1: If I will. I will just mute my mic for those. It's fine.
3: Yeah, if you have general purpose fantasy <laughs> questions, maybe you should email our general purpose fantasy podcast, Ars Arcanum.
0: Well, if somebody asks something about a wizard or something, I, I'm willing to talk about wizards on the Lord of the Rings podcast.
3: I guess there's more wizards here than there are in Sanderson books. So
1: it next, Very next. much
0: depends on how you define a wizard in the context yes. of... Uh, anyway okay <laughs> enough
1: sanderson next time we are reading chapters five through eight of fellowship of the ring so Is i forgot to say that last the first time. book or no there are okay. three episodes covering
2: the first half of fellowship okay, okay. um
3: jackson where can people find you Oh you can find me at
2: head off on twitter.com I mean, yeah, thank you <laughs> <laughs> off on twitter.com you can find the podcast that me and him do at Uh, go to them, they're good
3: M.
1: you can find me on twitter at em underscore being, You support me and Jackson's podcast at patreon.com slash mapping for one dollar a month you get the Great Gundam Project every week we watch a Gundam two episodes, we're watching Turn A right now and uh, Planetes, which is a pretty It's an alright anime about people in space. (laughs) Pitch on that going downhill. Turning Gundam though, incredible anime. People should watch that one. Um, And we have other podcasts besides. Uh, You can check it out at the site.
0: Yeah. Nora? You can find me on Twitter at NeitherNora. Find stuff I've done at norablake.online. You should listen to um, Back to the Ark, my Marvel Hornets podcast, which you can listen to on Patreon at exportaudio.io or patreon.com slash exportaudio. That feed will also get you this podcast a week before all the little hobbits out there who get it a week late <laughs> who aren't patrons.
3: <laughs> We're derogatory answers for both hobbits and people who don't pay us. I'm just saying you get special treatment. <laughs> You can find me on Twitter, at Autumnal underscore coffee. All my other podcasts are linked at Um You should listen to Export Audio. We just did an episode with them. Yeah. Um, just bullshit. It's just a bullshit podcast. We talked about that's a
1: good. That's a good episode.
3: It is. It is a good episode.
2: What the, the Stern. kind
1: of mole? <laughs> <laughs> Wet, boys.
2: Wet boys. Wet boys. <laughs> Wet, boys. <laughs> Wet boys. Where? wet voice wet (laughs) Um,
0: thank you all for listening to Bag End Book Club until next time read for Ruin and the Red Dawn
2: we lose jackson
0: did we lose jackson
2: apparently as i was bringing the mic down i muted myself i've been talking this whole time <laughs> <laughs> and i wondered why you're ignoring me <laughs> <laughs> well
1: you know why we know why
2: <laughs> what the fuck
3: are you good
0: <coughs> what is going on i breathed spit
1: no, okay. gross. Are, can we go? <coughs> no. <coughs> oh my god. We were oh, out.
3: I'm sorry. Is my physical distress to, yeah, putting
0: you in an uncomfortable situation? No, yes. Just- yes. <coughs> <laughs> Good morning.